When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone. It's David here. The summer is already behind us. Already. And uh, I'm sure we can agree it's been the strangest one ever. Thankfully, we have the return of football to provide much-needed normality as the nights draw in. To celebrate this, Beer52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching our team from the comfort of your own home. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash rangers and just cover the 5 95 for the postage. Beer52 is the world's most popular popular craft beer discovery club it's got over 150,000 members and they send a brand new case to them every month every month's case has a different theme past themes have included beers from new zealand south africa korea and all over the usa and europe they're an independent british company and they're passionate about the uk craft beer scene and they continue to support it through this difficult period if dark beer's not your thing you can simply choose the light option you'll also get the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty stack don't worry though if you do change your mind you can pause or cancel your account at any time just go to beer52.com forward slash rangers to get your first case of eight beers for 5.95 that's beer52.com forward slash rangers welcome to heart and hand the rangers podcast the podcast that certainly knows a nasty gash when it sees one this week on heart and hand brian loudrop one cancer nil Welcome to Art and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host. And joining me this week is, first of all, from the wild side of town known as Livingston, Mr. Cameron Bell. How are we, Cammy? I'm good, David. Are you all right, my friend? I'm fine. Have you recovered from trying to punt stuff to help people shave their nads? Hairy people. Very, very hairy people. Yes. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who supported me, as you will hopefully attest to, David. I genuinely believe was a wound up, uh, a wind up until about two minutes before we went on air. You take the money for it though. Yeah, of course I take the money and run, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I didn't think well, I didn't look, think you were just paying me to do it as a bet. 
No, no, I wasn't. And joining us today is certainly a metropolitan man who I'm sure uses moisturiser. Uh, some of our Patreon listeners will know him from over there, but it's his first appearance on the flagship show. It's James Tessier, a.k.a. Tess. Good evening, sir. Oh, I'm a friendly well. I am not too bad. I've had a decent weekend. Uh, Jer's playing well and winning. What are you up to in sunny Derbyshire? Uh, I'm actually rubbing my eyes in disbelief because this is, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, uh, when I first started listening to the podcast, what what I wanted to be doing with my life, I says, yeah, I, I, I want to be doing this podcast. And now, I'll say 10 <laughs> years later, dream, dreams have become reality. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just basking in the glory at the moment, mate. All it did was to, to, to get you here was to run the Ted McMinn RSC in Derby and the pandemic. Yes, mate. So it's, you know, the per- perfect contribution, isn't it? Perfect story. Yeah, exactly. You've brought a little to the table, but uh, loads to talk about, lads, this weekend. Let's start uh, in a, a very fun place. Rangers 4, Dundee United nil at the weekend. Rangers absolutely hammering Dundee United. Cameron... I think our most complete performance of the season, and even at that, I think uh, I would say the second half was our best performance of the season. Even at that, disappointed that it wasn't eight or nine because we were so much better than them. Uh, we were um, in every department, um, including injuries. Um, but yeah, we we really were um, been able to produce some lovely stuff. The second half. Um, there was some real sublime quality in there and we'll obviously go through it in a bit more detail but having had a bit of a reflection and, and watched the game back a couple of times um, you're talking about really really decent high level football in there which um, is really reassuring for the fact that we've come back from the international break without skipping a beat which I think all of us could have said prior to it would have been a concern but for me, coming back in, yeah, like we, didn't, we didn't have the time off and we had just strolled straight back into normal working routine, which was fantastic to see. Um, before we get on to, you know, all the stuff from the match, just something that a listener asked me to, to bring, a few listeners actually asked me to bring up. Um, they said, watch the game back, which we always do for this show, and then let me know your thoughts on the director's decision at the weekend to focus on the non-crowd, the subs bench, the Dundee United subs, basically anything but the game while it was going on. Can I just say, don't do that. Nobody likes that. A, we're Rangers fans. We don't give a flying fuck about Dundee United's substitutes warming up. Don't care. Never will. Never have. Don't do that. And in future, please, just show the game. That's what people are paying for. Okay, we don't need endless replays of nothing incidents. We don't need to see that sort of stuff. Please, just just show the game. You are not directing Apocalypse now. You are directing a football match. Show the football. Uh, I think that's a fair point, Cammy. Because I don't know if you know this, Cammy. I, I haven't mentioned it. I was actually at the game. And, you know, I, I, I know I haven't mentioned that to you very often. So it was only when I, I watched the game back I noticed this, but I have to agree with the listeners. Yes, um, the reason why I know you were at the game is because I need to tell you to stop texting us what's happened in the game two minutes before we get to see it, um, such as the difficulty of internet buffering. Um, I didn't, I didn't know you were that far behind, and yeah. basically, folks, I ruined the goals for them at the weekend by going, "Yeah, great goal, Ryan Kent," and. It was only after like the third they said you're two minutes ahead of us. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, you're right. Of course, we want to be able to see. I think the only thing that's more frustrating uh, than, as you say, seeing things which are happening in the which are totally irrelevant, is when it's maybe focused on a particular player who's going off his spanner about something, and you can't see what they're complaining about or what else is happening. So, yeah, just show more of the football. We don't need to see the lack of crowd or anything else like that. Just focus on what's happening in the park and uh, uh, just uh, let's keep the action where it should be. Tess, I have waxed lyrical about Ryan Kent a few times this season, and it's not something that's uncommon, uh, the view I'm about to express, but he is now the man. He is playing like the man. He's playing like the guy that we know he's got the ability to be. He never stops. He's constantly going. There was a moment in like the 91st minute when we're 4-0 up where he got the ball in his own half and he's trying to drive by three the United players to get something happening. He can be tackled two or three times and it doesn't bother him. He just gets the ball and he goes again and he goes again. And it is that relentless desire to make something happen that marks him out for me as a special player. He doesn't hide. I think there are there are two two main factors uh, in Ryan Kent's performances this season. The first is that he's had a full pre-season. Now, obviously, a lot of that has been enforced because there's not been much football. So... You know, there's, so there's not been much of anything happening. So he's had time to get himself in shape. He's not been wondering what football club he's going to be at. He's, he's, you know, his mind's been completely fixed and focused on the task ahead. So he's been able to get his preparations right mentally and physically at a full pre-season. And I think you, you, you can see that in his performances. Also, more from a mental point of view, uh, obviously, what what with the speculation over Alfie's future, Ryan Kent is now very much the man. He's our go-to guy when we need a goal and we need something to happen. He's a man that we look to. Now, you know, for a lot of people, and this has been true of a lot of players at Rangers, not just over the last ten years. A lot of players, you know, the shirt's been too heavy for them, and that kind of responsibility it's completely ruined them. Ryan Kent this season so far is absolutely thriving on it, and it seems like the more. The more pressure that he's getting put under and the more faith we put in him and the more we're looking towards him, the more he's delivering the goods. I mean, that is, I mean, as, as you've said, right, right up into injury time, he's still trying to make something happen, let alone his goal, which was, you know, if, if that would have been scored by a player in one of the top five leagues, they'd be raving about it. So, yeah, I think, I think having a full pre-season and him thriving on the pressure of being the man, I think it's, re- it's really driving him to give the kind of performances we're seeing from him now. I love players like that. I love players who are like, yeah, give me the, the responsibility. Heap it on me. You know, I want, to, I want to be the guy that makes this team. I want that. And I think that star players have that. Cami, as Tessa mentioned, that first goal, it's brilliant. Great ball from uh, from Yanis Hadji back. And then that, that lovely wee shimmy to, to make a bit of space. You just knew he was going to score. I mean, he, he, he has that about him right now that when he gets into those positions, you just think, yeah, it's a goal. Almost automatically, such as the level he's performing at. It does, but I mean, he, he he's turned the defender every single which way, and then a lovely finish as well. But what what I enjoyed, and and again, as I say, what you saw throughout, I think a number of our goals uh, on Saturday, David, was the just the fluidity of how those players are making runs, making um, movements in and around the box, in and around the halfway line. But they all know where they're going. They all know exactly what's happening. That ball from Hadji was absolutely delicious. A beautiful wee nutmeg as well. But when you've got a guy like Ryan, uh, Ryan Kent who just wants to penetrate, he just wants to make sure that we get in and create a chance, Hadji sets him off with a great pass and then 
um, some lovely footwork, and then he just makes the call to to slide it by the the let's say slide. He slams it past the keeper. Um, but it's great because it's an aggressive style of play and something which um, shows our ability to mix and match how we look to be able to try and get into the box and how we look to be able to create chances because time and time again, when you're playing against a packed defence, you need a killer pass. You need a bit of space to open. And in that movement, you saw both the, the ball from Hadji sets him on his way and then Kent creates the space by, like you say, some fantastic footwork um, and finishes superbly. So, Brilliant to see, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, an absolute stick out for Player of the Month for August, which um, just continues, as Tess says there, he's great form and getting into it, and he just wants to keep improving and improving. Yeah, that Manager of the Month and Player of the Month curse that sometimes came up, no evidence of it at the weekend, uh, as, as Stephen Gerrard and uh, Ryan Kent had very good days. Tess, uh, if there was a guy that I wanted to get a goal on Saturday, it was the skipper, and he popped up with one. His 250th, uh, 250th appearance for Rangers, uh, getting in at back post. I love this goal because full-back to full-back, I think there's always something pretty cool about that. Great ball in from Borna. Typical Borna, didn't have his best game um, at the weekend. He picked up a knot playing for Croatia, of course, um, and was taken off after an hour, but even get, even then gets an assist. And it was an absolutely outstanding... Uh, just the desire of Tav to get there, I loved it. I loved, he wanted it more than the Dundee United defenders. However, uh, he's not always been everybody's cup of tea. He's had these difficult moments. I've got to be honest, hold my hands up and say I've been been one of them. But he did deserve, I think, you know, 250 appearances at the club, no matter in what era, is still something to be admired. I think it's it's no coincidence that um, Tav's defending has got better or the perception of his defending has got better alongside Goldson and Helando, who this season have been absolutely colossal for us. Um I think you, you're right. You know, there have been a lot of things said about our captain over the years. I mean, personally, I've, I've always liked the guy. I recognise that the role of the full-back stroke wing-back has changed in the modern game. And I think that he he fits that that role perfectly. Um, I, 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 I know it might sound strange saying it's harsh as a defender when he's defending, but predominantly nowadays, your full-backs are attacking. But even defensively, like I said, I never thought he was too shaky. Uh, I think now that he has got a, a fantastic centre defensive partnership next to him, he looks a lot better. Uh, so I think from, from from that point of view, I think a lot of the criticism he's got has in some cases been unfair. However, looking at his performance on Saturday, uh, is the, the position he found himself in for the goal was very similar to the goal he scored against Hamilton, as in that's where I'd expect his striker to be coming in. And I think that shows the way that um, this season, I mean, obviously he's been given licence to go forward um, in, in in previous years, I mean, as, as I just mentioned, that the fullback position is very much an attacking one now. But this season, that seems even more so because he's always been a goal scoring threat. But that was mainly from set pieces. I mean, now he's scoring tappings in the six yard box. I say where you'd expect the striker to be. So I, th- I think it's a very pleasing aspect of our football that we are playing a system that does allow him to exploit his attacking talents that we are pushing our full-backs up as far as we are because uh, that the balance in the rest of the team seems to be right. It seems to be able to support that now. Can also just um, very quickly, David, just point out in case anyone hasn't had a chance to see it, when Borna hits that ball, which is inch perfect, by the way, just puts his hand up straight away because he knows that Tav is going to find it and it's going to be a goal. 
go back and watch mm-hmm. the replay of it. And as, as soon as the ball leaves his foot, he's ready to start celebrating because he knows what it is. And, and do you know what it reminds me of? It's a, it's a putt and a golf shot. It's mm-hmm. just when you see the ball is going and you know it's going towards the hole and it's got the pace and it's got enough about it that it's going to find exactly where you wanted to put it. It's like it's like a golf shot, and Borna has put in an absolute brilliant ball of quality in there, and um, and Tav's desire to get to as sealed. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant goal. Yep, absolutely. And at that point, Rangers, you know, pretty much of the game, I thought all but done. You always want the third, but I just felt that we were levels ahead of the United. Um, you know, it made sure to get in at halftime 2-0 up, always important. But after that, in the second half, we just came out and blew them away. With some changes, Tess, the, the first half, um, you know, uh, it was like the song for Rangers players. Leon Balligan um, withdrawing in the uh, after the warm-up and replaced by Philip Hellander, who's, who strolled it. Uh, and then within the opening 20 minutes, Ryan Jack and Brandon Barker both going down to what appeared to be muscle injuries. Is that a concern? Because... You know, one fair enough. Um, Brandon Barker is is one of those players who very pacey, and they do occasionally do a hammy. But three inside what twenty minutes? That's that's a lot, isn't it? It's disappointing um, on the face of it. But if you look at Balogun, uh, he's he's not played for a few weeks. So is it really worth? If if there is a slight niggle, is it really worth risking him in the match and? risking being out for another couple of weeks or just say no phone on. I mean I know it was a late call but say no phone on. you sit this one out Alana could come straight in uh, like say with Barker he's, he's, he's a pacey player so there's always that risk there the Ryan Jack one that really is disappointing uh, and I, I know that before he's, he's come back from international duty injured and I just wonder if it, if it may have been something that he was carrying from his international duty obviously we hope it isn't uh, and we hope it isn't serious but Oh, so on, on the face of it, all three injuries look very bad. But when you do break them down into the individual cases, then perhaps there's an argument for it just being sadly what 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 are those coincidental things? It would get worse in the second half after the most controversial moment of the match, uh, a, a tackle on Alfredo Morelos with uh, uh, the Dundee United player putting his foot. Into, yeah, he played the ball, but I think he leaves his foot up, Cammy. Um, I think he knows what he's doing. And, of course, catches Alfredo in the follow-through, leaving a, a really horrible-looking gash on his leg. I mean, there was a hole in the guy's leg, for Christ's sake. Um, Alfie taking up the tunnel. The Rangers players were raging, immediately went round the referee, who didn't even award a, a free kick for it. Now, you're a qualified referee. You're always fair to a referees. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Um, I'll give Kevin Clancy a degree of latitude for the fact that he didn't send Edwards off because his he wasn't necessarily up with play. And I think from different angles, he could potentially have been obstructed, although I don't think to the extent that he was able to not even give a free kick. Um, what I'm curious about, and again, this is benefits of, of replays and what have you, is uh, why I think it's a red card and why I think it's excessive force and I think it's deliberate is because if you if you watch the, the, the challenge again, I won't even call it a challenge, it's an attempted clearance where he leaves his foot up, but he has players to the left and right of him that if he wanted to nip in to be able to try and just get the ball away from Morelos, who obviously is trying to get it past him and run on goal, 
he could have kept his foot straight and then passed it to the left or right if he just wanted to dink in and do that. Now, guys do that all the time. Joe Rebo does it. Glenn Kamara does it. But he opens his foot up. And that, for me, then looks like as if he's then trying to show his studs, which he duly does. Hits Morelos. Um, and we're very lucky that his leg wasn't planted. Otherwise, we are going to be talking about something far more significant than you know a, a flesh injury. Um, but I do believe that there was intent there. Um, and I, 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 I'm at an honest disbelief as to how, when he looks at it and how when his linesman looks at it, um, there isn't a conversation to be had. And again, if you watch the whole scenario unfold again, uh, there is no consultation. There is no clear consultation whatsoever with the linesman. Doesn't run over to speak to him. Doesn't do any kind of form of assessment of it. It's just a very simple, no, right, it's now going to be a drop ball. Um, he obviously has to deal with the players in the melee and and, and we were fortunate, I think, that people recognised enough to get Bordner away from that situation because he was already on a booking at that point. Um, but it, it was incredulous to me that that wasn't given. Even with some slight leeway given to Clancy, it's at the very least a yellow card in terms of, and it should have been a red. Um, but to not even give a free kick for me is, I mean, it's scandalous. It's absolutely scandalous. Um, what, just, one I, of I the common misapprehensions one of the common misapprehensions I see a lot is, well, he played the ball, so it can't be a foul. That's not the case, is it? No, it's bullshit. You can play, you can play the ball until... I mean, listen, you might run through the ball and break a guy's leg. does not mean that it's a legitimate tackle. It does work like that. That's a fallacy, which yeah, so, yeah. has been born as football pundit train. Yeah. So yeah. If he gets some of the ball, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's clearly it's, excessive. I mean, he's gone right through him. Tess, this isn't the first time with this ref. It's not even the tenth time with this ref. It's all the fucking time with this ref. I usually kind of skew off to the fact that you know they're not biased. They're they're just bad. But either way, no matter what, whether you want just that he's a cheat or he's incompetent, either way suggests he shouldn't be a a, a referee. It's difficult for us as 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 Rangers fans because we. Um, we we don't really we don't do conspiracy theories. We don't think that everybody's against us. We just don't have that level of paranoia. So we will always try to use logic and reason to look at a situation and say, okay, they're not biased against us. It's just incompetence or whatever. Because that, that's who we are. You know, we we want things to be everything above board, and it's bias. Sorry, it's incompetence as opposed to bias. But with certain referees. The more these things keep happening, you got to start asking yourself, well, you know, maybe there is something going on here. And again, it, it, it bothers me to be thinking like that because as a person and as a Rangers supporter, it's not how I was brought up. It's not what I like to do. But you do find yourself drawing the, the conclusion that that's all it can be because surely no referee is that incompetent that consistently against Rangers. You know, surely... And if he is, why isn't he getting pulled to task by the SFA about it? Why aren't they saying, listen, mate, you want to start opening your eyes and watching what's going on? You know, why does he keep getting awarded our matches? Why, when he does get awarded our matches, does he keep doing these things, missing stuff or showing cards where cards aren't and just generally being a bumbling oaf? Why does this keep happening? And I'll say that the, the only the conclusion that I keep coming to, sadly, is that there is a, a large degree of bias there. I just find that he's he's not 
capable of, for whatever reason, and you can be generous and say that he's just, imagine that, you, you can be generous and just say he's fucking awful at his job, or you can say that he just will never give us a decision. And Cammy, the manager said after the match uh, that didn't want to call for people to be sent off, but he would have been interested to see what the reaction would have been had it been Alfredo Morelos who'd made that tackle on the Dundee United player. Um Look, it's all subjective. We can never prove this. But I'm pretty clear in my mind that what would have happened with Alfie would have been sent off instantly and we'd have had a week about what a nutter he is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, I mean, coming back onto Tessie's point there, um, it's very easy to give decisions against Rangers and it's very easy to give decisions against Alfredo Morelos. And there's a narrative there which has been built up and built up that um, gives Clancy an excuse not to do his job properly um, and also for degrees of punishment towards Alfredo Morelos because he's managed differently, or sorry, he's refereed differently to the vast majority of other players in the league. Now, we're fair on heart and hand and we have in the past called out where he has been lucky to escape punishment and when he's been excessive and when he's been he's went over the top and I understand all of that. But at the same time, there's been plenty of um, circumstances where, because of who he is, he has then been sent off. And I think that that is where the interesting thing for me now, David, will be what happens with Clancy. Because if Clancy, I've moaned about referees on this pod before, where what I've said is um, the, the, the punishment for referees is to be demoted down a division and do a game there, which means they still get paid, maybe not as much money. But then the fans of those clubs and the players of those clubs then actually pay the punishment because now they've got a substandard referee refereeing their games. And this isn't about not being able to keep up with play or fitness. What you're actually talking about here is a £20 million player who could have been very, very seriously injured, which makes it all the more ironic given Kevin Clancy's interview at the beginning of the season saying that he understands what's on the line. Okay, so do your job properly and do it more consistently, he'll get another game at the weekend. And and that, for me, is what's most incredulous about this because he should be taken to task for the fact that he got that decision completely wrong. And again, we have to talk about these things now because if we talk about them when we drop points or we get cheated out of the League Cup final, then it looks like sour grapes. Yeah, no, that, that is exactly the time to bring it up. But even so, you, you need something to happen with it, Tess. And as Cammy says, these mistakes are constant and never, ever dealt with. There's got to be a level of accountability. For example, if uh, Ryan Edwards does get cited by Claire White, um, then surely as part of the, the hearing process, the referee should have to explain why he missed it. Now, it might be completely obvious. It might have been an off-the-ball incident that happened behind him. Or, you know, it, it could be something really, really simple. But something like that, when... You know, you could argue that he's got a player obstructing in his view, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's directly in his eye line and he doesn't even blow for a foul until Alfie's rolling around on the floor in some distress, which wasn't very nice to see at all. Surely he's got to be asked, well, why did you miss it? You know, because it, it seems all these little mistakes that the referees make. I mean, like, like, like Cammy says, you mess up, you should get dropped down the leagues for, for a week, for, for, for a month, for however long it takes, for a season or whatever, they should have more accountability there because at the moment they, they, they can keep doing these things. It can keep costing, OK, it, we're, we're bothered about it being Rangers, but if we do take out the element of bias and say it's incompetence, they can keep costing teams points. 
you know, they can keep costing players careers and time lost to injuries. I mean, yeah, I mean that, you know, that's if Alfie's legs planted, yeah, Absolutely. if Alfie's legs planted, he's getting what Ian Durant got 30 years ago. You know, look yeah. how long he was out of the game for. Do you know what I mean? That 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 could have been a career-ending tackle, a career-ending injury. And Kevin Clancy's just going to walk away scot-free. And to me, I'd say to me that that's unacceptable. There's got to be a greater level of accountability. No, I totally agree. Um, and we're told often player safety is paramount. Player safety is paramount. Well, you, you're letting stuff like this happen, and it happens too too often to Rangers players. We could name. But double figures over the last couple of years of our players have picked up injuries because refs have let this go. Um, and, and when you create a culture where that's acceptable, then this is what's going to happen. And it's not acceptable. You, you're risking people's livelihoods. You're risking players' livelihoods here. And it's just, it's, it's not on. Uh, and I think that we're all a bit fed up with it, to, to put it mildly. Back to the game then, Cammy Rangers. Um, Brought on Scott Arfield, who I thought was absolutely terrific uh, in that last half an hour. Um, and he was involved in the last two goals. Great run. Um, shot into the middle and or crossed. Um, I think it was a shot, but turned in by Kamar Roof. One of the things that's really impressed me about Kamar Roof, and I don't think he's fully up to speed yet, but his movement is absolutely brilliant and he finds space. Um, I, I, I think that at the moment... The other players aren't quite on on his wavelength yet, but if they start to spot these runs, even in these tight games, these tight defences, he can find himself a wee half yard of space. Absolutely, and um, a big part about his movement is not just um, when he's on the ball looking for it's it's, it's when he's off the ball and he's pulling defences apart because no one really knows who's supposed to be picking him up. Um, and that will create space and opportunity for other players to be able to come in. I think what you saw with his goal um, on Saturday was that Arfield, I mean, the build-up to the goal, first and foremost, was phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant. But when you eventually get to this within the spot, it's almost like a young Jermaine Defoe where he just knows he has to be within a certain area, a certain position, um, just to be a threat. Because even if Arfield forces a save, which one of his other shots did, um, I think it was just before this, but he's there for the he's there to, to hit it in the rebound. But what I really enjoy about him is how much he just pulls defenders out of spaces and he, he disrupts defences by his constant movement and, and making the central uh, defenders guess as to who's gonna pick him up and who's gonna take him where and stuff. It's it's a big aspect of his game, which I think is is totally different to what Alfie does. Very rarely feels like as if the ball get played with him with back to goal. Because, like you say, he's pulling all these different players so far from left to right, and um, it's it's a totally different aspect of our game now. And it's great to see defences just really struggling to deal with it. The fourth was another peach. Great work by Yanis Hadji, uh, Ryan Kent beforehand, and then Yanis Hadji. He pulls it back to the on-rushing Scarfield, who, in the words of the United Twitter feed, hammers at home. Brilliant finish up into the top corner. Tess, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Yanis Hadji because he's had a bit of criticism um, at the weekend, two assists, and I thought he was a lot more involved. I think he's a moments player. I don't think he's somebody that is going to contribute across a full 90 minutes. I don't think that's what he's been signed to do either. I think he's one of these guys that, that will do something that nobody else on the park can do. And you just have to accept there will be periods and matches that he falls out of it. That's that's the thing with wingers. And I know he's not an art and art winger, but for, for the sake of this discussion, let, let's he wears a number seven, so let's just say that he is. It's very rare that you'll get a winger who for 90 minutes is absolutely on the game. Uh, uh, and those that have got that ability go for 
millions and hundreds of millions of pounds. You know what I mean? Um, a, a player like him is on is on the pitch for what he can potentially do, not what you know he's going to do. So if we look at a Barisic, you know, every week from Barisic, you're going to get seven, seven and a half out of ten. Uh, he's a very consistent performer. You know exactly what you're going to get. With Hadji, you don't. Um, that, that's both a blessing and a curse. It's, it's a blessing in that if we don't know what he's going to give us, neither the opposition, so they can't mark him for a start. Uh, it's a curse. Well, you're, you're, again, you're from the Ted McManaris. You're from the Ted McMinnary. See, there, there is the master of it. Well, eg- exactly, mate. Yeah, and again, look, look, look how effective his ineffectiveness was. You know, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Hadji in the in the category of the great Tad McMinn yet. But again, nope. Min was a moments play. He didn't didn't really know what you were going to get from him. Some games he'd be sublime. Other games he'd be he'd, he'd be anonymous. And like I said, we've seen that from Hadji this season. I thought on Saturday it wasn't his best game, but he still got two assists. So that's mm-hmm. that's what you keep him on the pitch. But both really good assists as well. You know that that's what you keep him on the pitch for. That's what he can give you. Obviously, we, we've seen in previous weeks where he's been completely ineffective. But I think we've got. I mean, I spoke before about the balance we've got in the team now. I think we've got the balance right in the team at the moment where we can have a. I'll call we'll call him a luxury player. You, you can have a luxury player like Yanis Hadji because everybody around him is doing their work. And again, you are keeping Hadji on the pitch because he can produce those moments of brilliance out of nothing. Cami, seven clean sheets at the start of a season, a new record for Scottish football. With obviously British you know, football, British football, Br- British football. Sorry, Tess, yeah. I didn't realise that. Um, yeah, wow, yeah, Chelsea, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I didn't I didn't realize that was a hell of a good defensive side. And the manager spoke after the game, Cammy, about we were a wee bit fortunate. You know, they hit the bar and um, Shanklin's missed a good chance. And but we got there. And I think that it's a great thing to achieve, obviously, right? But but what it does for me is is twofold. One, confidence in the defense because they know they're doing their job, which is great. But two, if you're a front player and you know if we get one the day, lads. That'll be it, because they'll keep them out. That's got to be a big boost for the attackers as well. And and if you like, almost relax them and free them to create a bit more. Now, we're Rangers, we don't, you know, if you win every game 1-0, our fans will moan, despite them saying they won't. We will. But even so, it's got to still give you a bit of a kind of mental fill-up to know that if we get one, lads, we're going to get three points here. It does, and I think, I mean... You're saying a bit more than obviously top of the show, we're like that. Why did we only beat them 4 0? You know, yeah, exactly. That's, say, that's what the Angels fans are. It? Um, it does, but then I would also wonder as to whether or not it puts a little bit of pressure on the forwards to say, Look, these guys behind us are absolutely knocking out of the park. So, what are we doing? And don't get me wrong, we've, we've, we've performed to really high levels, we've, we've notched up some good scores, so it's in there. So, I think you're right, I think it gives you a bit of confidence, but it should give you a little bit of that kind of. Just that wee reminder of, you know, these guys are absolutely solid behind us and they're doing their jobs to the best possible outcome. And, you know, not only are they keeping clean sheets, but they're creating chances and scoring chances, um, as obviously seen on Saturday. So therefore, we've got to do our bit. We've got to pick it up for the team and stuff. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, as we talk about this... um, the defence, the middle of the park and the forwards all scored goals on Saturday. So when you look at the, the emphasis that now has to come from securing the three points, yeah, it's great that we'll get a point if we draw and it's a nil-nil, but your responsibility now is to ensure that we get the three points because I can guarantee you one, you have to go and get the other two. And so therefore, it should give the, the, the attackers, you see, a little bit more freedom to be able to go forward so that 
you know, potentially we're not chasing it and we are not putting as much pressure on ourselves. But I think there's also a part to that, David, where when we get the first one, you said it yourself, we get into the second one, the game is dead by half time. Perfect. I will take that all season long. Thank you very much. But oh, yeah, as long as we're two up in 20 minutes, the fans are generally okay. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. generally relaxed. One thing I wanted to talk about, lads, and all joking aside, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have been attending um, the home matches, certainly, that so far this season. And one of the things I try to do is is to kind of notice things I wouldn't normally notice when, when I'm, you know, in my own seat at Ibrox. And obviously with no crowd noise or whatever, you can hear the shouts from the management. And it's an interesting thing to me that you always get fans who prefer a certain type of manager. For some, they want um, somebody who's calm, cool and collected on the touchline. For others, they want a manager who shows passion, who's out there roaring and, and shouting and bawling. And I thought that, that Saturday was an interesting contrast in the two managers. Um, Stephen Gerrard tends to spend... He, he walks back and forth between the touchline and uh, the, the dugout. Where he'll, he'll talk to Gary McAllister and to Michael Beale and they'll, they'll work things out and he'll talk to the subs. But most of the time he spends... And he is expressive. I remember in the second half, do you remember that chance that Kent missed that amazing, let's be honest, sitter that Ryan Kent passed up? Um, he, he, he leapt and spun in frustration. But he, he does you know, shout at players and he gives a lot of tactical instructions. Next time was Mickey Mellon, who's, who didn't shut up. Well, certainly till it went 3-0 um, and then he didn't say anything, but he, he he was constant and it was just this sort of constant barrage of, of noise. And if you actually watch the first goal um, without the crowd noise, you'll actually hear him shouting and he's shouting at his fullback, there's your work, there's your work, whatever that means. Concentrate, concentrate. I'm not sure that's helping him concentrate as he's up against Ryan Kent. <laughs> And, 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 you know, he would occasionally shout tactical instructions, but in the main, it was just this constant stream of noise. And I actually would, would argue that it put his players off more than it helped. It, 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 it was just white noise, and eventually you just tuned it out. What are your thoughts on what you like from a manager, Tess, and whether or not you think that kind of thing is helpful, or, or should a manager really restrict himself, if possible, to the odd shout of encouragement, but tactical instructions mainly? I think un unless it's a tactical change, I don't really want the manager saying much at all because he, he's got all week on the training ground, with the, on the training pitch with his players. He's got, uh, before they go out on the pitch, to get them G'd up and half-time as well. So if he keeps having to remind them of their duties and give them encouragement throughout the match, and he ain't done his job right in the, in the six days leading up to the match, has he? Um, if it's a tactical change on the bounce, and yeah, you want to see that because, you know, the game's dynamic, it's fluid, things are going to change. You know, so, so you, you want to have that kind of thing. But if he's constantly having to remind people of what their jobs were, which they've worked on all week, then either the manager ain't getting his point across right or the, the you know, or, or, or the players aren't up to the job. So, you know, what whilst I don't want a manager just to be sat there and passive, I like it when the only the only shouts that he's given are things that are going to directly affect the game, a, a change of tactics or, you know, a, a, a pre-arranged signal. Because if he's constantly berating his players, reminding them of what they're meant to be doing, then, like I say, either he ain't doing his job in the lead-up to the match or the players aren't up to it. Cammy? Um, it's interesting because I a, a few years ago I read an article um, in Dutch youth football um, and at a proper grassroots level, like not like at club level or whatever. And um, clubs actually brought in a rule as part of their regional associations um, that um, parents 
you know, whoever were welcome to come along and watch games under the code of absolute strict silence. Um, they were not to to shout at players because if it, if either of you uh, or anyone listening has ever been to like a under sevens game or whatever where the parents are there, it's you know pass the ball, shoot, blah blah blah, and you're instructing the player to do that. And the Dutch said we don't want you to do this because the player's not learning and the player is not growing because they're doing what you're telling them to do. And they then moved up a notch to say that they also wanted coaches to stop doing that during games because it inhibits the player's learning style and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and knowing how to do these kind of things. And it's it stuck with me. Um, and I remember you on Saturday, David, telling me about the Mickey Mellon thing. And I think it, it just, it strikes a lot to me like as if it feels like you don't trust your players. And there's two things to that. The first thing is you either don't trust them to be able to make a decision of their own, you know, of their own mechanism. And the second thing is, that it, 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 they need constant reassurance or they need constant support, which I don't quite understand. And, and certainly, as you say, when the bubble has burst at 3-0 down, you're surely then just breaking your own rules by then just completely shutting up and then you've completely lost the interest of the player. So, no, I would prefer, personally speaking, I would prefer the silent type who's always in the ear of the fourth official or the referee if there's certain decisions that he's not happy with. Um, but by and large, I just want a manager to sit there. Tess is right. If you've not done your preparation properly and your players still need coached during the 90 minutes, despite, you know, a week's worth of, an, uh, you know, an, uh, an analy- <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Anal- uh, analysis. analysis. Yeah. Um, you know, game overviews, uh, you know, player instructions, opponents instructions. If you still need that within the 90 minutes, you've got a problem. To me, it gave off a vibe of nervousness. If I'm being, you know, if I'm being yeah. honest, but now Mickey Mellon has worked long in football, knows more about football than I do. I'm not in any way criticized. But to me, because it was this constant stream of of nothingness, it was just shouting for the sake of shouting, which we've all done at the telly or at the game when we're nervous. Um, but it it didn't contribute anything. And I did kind of listen and tune in to see if if I was missing some stuff, if there were tactical instructions. But a lot of it was just kind of vague, kind of what you hear. Uh, you know, five aside matches, um, and I just thought I, I don't know how helpful that is. Certainly, when you're when the boy's squaring up to Ryan Kent, I think the last thing he needs is something taking taking his ear, you know, and confusing him when he's up against Ryan Kent and full pelt. But it was good for us, uh, so that, that, that's enough as far as I'm concerned. Now, as Cami mentioned right at the start, uh, that this has been a good week for Rangers fans uh, in one way, and that is because. We got great news today, and that's that Brian Loudrop, after 10 years of battling cancer, finally got the all clear, uh, and he is cancer-free. Cami, cancer is a, a bastard. It's just a horrible, horrible disease. And I think that it, it just reminded us all today of just how much this man means to us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's difficult because I think that Loudrop's one of those guys who he's not immediately accessible. And what I mean by that is that, you know, he's not at Ibrox every couple of weeks doing the half-time draws and all of that kind of stuff as well. So there's a bit of a kind of rarity there in terms of when you'd be able to try and get to see him. And he, he, for me, at least, it feels as if he's become more prolific in social media uh, within certainly the last kind of 18 to 24 months. Um, and there's a big part of that, which I'm fairly certain will be going through his cancer battle and, you know, 
internalising that and, you know, remaining private with the stuff as well. So I think um, if anything can can come out the fact that he has not only been able to beat cancer, continue to monitor it and continue to be very watchful of it, it's um, to receive the love and support of the Rangers family, all of whom adore him. Um, so being able to to send their well wishes to him via, you know, a social media platform and all of that kind of thing as well, you know, he'll he'll absolutely um be forever in our hearts in terms of the, the wonderful memories that he gave us. Uh so being able to, to celebrate such great news with him today is, you know, it's different class and um you always need to make sure that those guys are remembered uh for all the brilliant stuff that they brought you and you then in turn have to repay it back to them when they get the, the great news like Brian got today. From the sublime to the ridiculous and Tess, I have some sad news on your debut that this is probably the last ever Heart and Hand podcast. Um, we've had a good run of 10 years. And the reason for that is, of course, the news that this week that, that Graham Spears has launched a new podcast on Patreon. Um, we can't compete with that. Uh, did you see the first week's lineup? It's Graham Spears, Jim Spence, Gordon Waddle, and Kevin McKenna. No, I'm not making that up. That is the lineup. And they'll be discussing topics including sectarianism. How are we supposed to? Uh, I, I just don't think that, that that anyone's going to want to listen to us when they can pay for that. So you've got Captain Cordroy, um, you've got Jim Spence, who is an anthropomorphic alpaca, and the other two. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you're right, mate. We, we we might as well just pop up and go home now. We can't compete with that, can we? But seriously, who, who's going to listen to that? If, if people don't care what he says when it's free, why are they going to pay to be bored to sleep? It's ridiculous. I just, I did, I did wonder, Cammy, when he um, tweeted out that that was a lineup. Did they record it in a job centre? Well, see, this is the thing, right? Because uh, again, if you you know happen to see the lineup, he actually described himself as a staunch one of the group, which again, you know, it's choking in your conflicts material. See, this is my problem, though, David, and, and where you may jest, and, and I can understand, you know, the reasons for mockery, but given Graham's constant, constant um, failing at almost every single thing that he's ever done in his entire life, whether it's from dress sense to print media, he basically has put platforms on their arses. So I don't think it's the end of heart and hand. I think it could be the end of podcasts in general. Uh, maybe even sound. I don't know. Graham's, you know, capitulation of certain things knows no bounds. So, uh, yeah, life's ultimate failure continuing to do that. What I did enjoy was I think it's something like £2 odd for between four and six podcasts a month. And I was like, yeah, don't bend over backwards, Graham, in order to be able to try and make sure that you're really heavily promoting the shows and all the rest of it. I think that it, it, it smacks to me of these idiots congregating at a cheese and wine party or something like that. Just I tell you, it'll be fucking cheap cheese and wine given their current their current employment prospects. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, speaking of uh, a load of balls, uh, support for Heart and Hand is actually brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, Tess, you strike me as a man of the world. Um, I'm sure that, that when you're going out there, you're a single man, you're, you're, you're a hit with the ladies, and you don't want to put them in an unfortunate position. I mean, I have a female friend who once described the act of fellatio to me as um, sucking up some lumpy bleach through a hairy straw. 
And and I'm sure nobody wants wants to put a loved one through that, do they? No, they don't. I think there's definitely something to be said for having a shaft that resembles a Richmond pork sausage. Yes, exactly. Manscaped just launched in the UK. Uh, that kind of means that we've, I suppose, gone years without using the right tools for the job. But you can be one of the first people in Britain, folks, to experience their life-changing products. It certainly would be a life-changing product if I... I, I can't use it, I'm afraid, as a, as a Scottish Presbyterian um, in his 40s. I, I just, you know, that sort of thing, to me, seems... Uh, but, but you young folk, I mean, that, Cammy, it's all shaved balls, shaved arseholes. That's what they're up to these days, isn't it? The young folk. Is. No hair below the eyebrows, David. None? That's the real... No, they 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 are they, they look like Duncan Goodhue, right from from all the way down. Um, Manscaped has, has redesigned the electric trimmer. The engineering team has created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Oh, does that mean it can double up in the garden? I'd imagine it would uh, take a bit longer yeah. than your flymore, yeah. Well, Don't confuse the, the one two. Of the That's features. the message there. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming, which is a good thing, because you don't want to be, let's face it, you don't want to be cutting off the bars, are you? Um, thinking, oh, that would be unpleasant. And uh, they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Who doesn't like a quiet stroke from time to time? Um, even, even at my age, when it, it, I really need to kind of basically do it twice just to... To, to get my heart started that I still enjoy that so you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code rangers at manscaped.com your balls will thank you so get 20% off and free shipping with the code rangers at manscaped.com so I don't know how we top that um, for all the people out there who wish to have bald balls so I think we'll just wrap it up there uh, thanks to uh, my two guests today. First of all, the splendid Mr. Cameron and James Bell. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And a wonderful debut from Mr. James Tessier. Or should I call you Oleg Kuznetsov now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oleg will do, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. That means you're going to get injured next week, sadly, and we'll not see you for three years. But still... Um, we'll always have this debut. Uh, a thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Cammy won't be back on Extra this week, unfortunately, because, of course, we're playing on Thursday. But you can catch up with him, me and Tess over, and the rest of the Heart and Hand family over on our Patreon site. It's uh, heartandhand.com forward slash Patreon. We are really pushing up towards 5,000 now. So if you want to come and give us a try, it's only one ninety nine per month. It's very much worth checking out. You will love it. It is good. I know I'm biased, but it is good. So thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back here next Monday. Until then, have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.